trying to sell your old car? Instead, donate your vehicle to Heritage for the Blind. Pickup is free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-956-0327. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats, whether they run or not. Donate your vehicle and you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call 1-800-956-0327. That's 1-800-956-0327. Lock Talk Radio. Welcome to Dream Reality New Earth Radio, reminding you that the choice is yours. I'm Dr. Dream with my co-host Ilya Nabatovsky, and now on with the show. Welcome to Dream Reality New Earth Radio. This is Dr. Dream and my co-host, and I am Ilya Nabutovsky. So good to be here with you once again. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well. Uh, everything has been really amazing since... Uh, since we were on last. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe you've had some incredible experiences at the festival. Is that right? Well, I have to tell you that even prior to getting to the Harmony Festival, our journey started off with um, an experience with Ama, the hugging saint. That's right. Absolutely. You were telling me uh, about that last week. So tell me a little bit more about how that went for you. Well, you know, the way things happen, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, we, we made our way up to Northern California and went right to um, the compound that Ama has in San Ramon and um, spent about eight hours there in total, and received our um, our hugs with Alma at about 3.30 in the morning. And it is truly all that it is built up to be. It was an incredible, incredible experience. Wow, that's incredible. I, you know, I've, I've been hearing a lot of amazing testimonials from people that have experienced Alma firsthand. And uh, now that uh, you have, my friend, it's it's amazing, and I'm actually looking forward to uh, seeing her when she comes over to the East Coast. Yeah, I I highly recommend it. Um, you know, there would be a question for me of why did it take so long for me to be in her lovely presence? But it is the way that it worked out. We had, and that that was the sort of the launch pad. The um, for our experience at the Harmony Festival, which was just 
another one of those galactivated, incredible experiences for us. And um, was so blessed to have uh, so many of our band of angels uh, present. Of course, your presence was uh, dearly missed, as it has been so much recently. But um, wow, things um, things have really, really been something. Yeah, and you not only did the galactivation, um, which I saw was uh, the final spot at Harmony Festival, but you uh, had another event earlier that day. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Laura Fredrickson and I launched um, our first ever collaborative effort uh, titled Breakthrough to Empowerment. And um, it was the perfect spot for us to do that. And I have to tell you that we were out dancing until about 5 or 5.30 in the morning and then at 11 in the morning, uh, later that morning, doing a breakthrough to empowerment. Um, and I almost went on stage with my glow stick still attached to me. <laughs> So tell me about the Galactivation experience. Uh, how how did it go? You know they're all so unique. This was this was wonderful, but you know it's um you know how we just have to kind of go with the flow of whatever the particular process is. And out at Harmony Festival, there was like so many other things going on at the same time. Um, and, you know, Ilya, we're not quite used to being in that environment. Normally, uh, when it's Dr. Dream and the Band of Angels with the Galactivation, that's pretty much it. Um, this right. was people walking by and on their way to other events going on at the same time and this and that. It was... Um, it was definitely a unique experience, and it gets rather chilly um, out there up in Northern California uh, late afternoon, early evening. But um, all in all, it combined for an incredible experience. We have some new um, musicians in the Band of Angels, including our very dear friend Skywalker, who will be uh, participating with us in the next um, several months, really leading us up to to Burning Man, which I mean, this is this is that that pinnacle piece that that, that we're approaching, and um, so so we're excited by um, all the new and what we continue uh, to add to the experience. Beautiful, brother. And uh, just to uh, let our listeners know, what's uh, what are some of the events coming up in the in the near future for uh, Doctor Dream and the Band of Angels? Well, tomorrow I'm taking um, a serious nap, and <laughs> a little bit tongue in cheek, but we are taking just a little bit of a break, um, catching our breath right now. We do have an event coming up the middle of July that we will be speaking more about. Uh, in the coming weeks, and we have some other pending events that uh, we're in discussions on and we're not quite ready to speak about. And, you know, I can't stay in one place for very long without um, stepping up to uh, different um, experiences and things like that. You know, really right now it's all about us um, planning Burning Man, and that's 
that's like the, the thick of what we're into at the moment. Um, what's exciting about that for us is we'll be doing seven days of programming at the Dream Dome at the uh, Red Lightning Camp. And um, we will definitely, like, you know, very much similar to a band, we will be testing our new uh, material, so to speak, um, and different aspects of our forthcoming uh, Burning Man experience. We will be testing in Southern California, and we've been invited back up to uh, San Francisco and, and Santa Rosa area also. So um, definitely stay tuned for more more on that. Beautiful. Amazing, brother. I love it. So um, why don't we go ahead and uh, introduce tonight's special guest? Well, this is, of course, very exciting for me tonight. Our guest, I have followed her on Facebook now for probably... I'd say close to two years. And um, we've had those Facebook experiences where, you know, um, we'll pop into each other's um, sphere of reality with, uh, you know, liking this or little comments on that. Um, but um, I've been very intrigued by our guest this evening, but mostly I've been very inspired by her. And so when she so readily accepted the um, our invitation uh, to be a guest on tonight's broadcast, I was beyond thrilled. And, you know, in being how those things, um, things work, we realize also that we have a... Um, a very good friend in common also, which is uh which is just a nice uh additional piece. So it is my absolute pleasure and honor to introduce our guest this evening. Her name is Annie Kaspar and she is I mean, there's so much to um describe her as and she's involved in so much um you know me, I, I really prefer to to just allow the guest into that space of, of really pulling us into their world. So it is uh, it's my pleasure to to introduce and to say hello to you, Annie. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, welcome. Now thank you. you you do have um many different hats that you wear, shall we say. Yes, I, I'm one of those angels that's uh, rather uh, multidimensional. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we so resonate with each other. <laughs> now, the the first title that um, that is anywhere where I have researched you or anything else is humanitarian. Yes, yes, yes. I'm very committed to... Um, I guess, I, you know, I, it says humanitarian. It's very hard <laughs> to find the term, but I'm really truly committed to um, bliss in our dimension on Earth for all living beings and for all of Earth. And so I chose the I chose the definition of humanitarian because it was the easiest way to kind of articulate that at least to humanity. Beautiful. So give us an idea now... Um of of a bit of 
of your background. Were you now? You, we're currently speaking to you from not the United States proper. Yes, yes, yes. The possession so, of the United States. <laughs> Darn possessions. <laughs> Yes, where exactly, where exactly are you calling in from, Annie? Puerto Rico. Puerto del Sol, the western coast of Puerto Rico. Now, and you have not always fantastic. lived in Puerto Rico. No, I haven't. Actually, I, I lived for many, many years in Manhattan um, while I worked on Wall Street. I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico for many years as well, and a few other places. But I've been in Puerto Rico now for almost three years on the western coastline in the caressing Caribbean. It's a little difficult to live, leave this place. Oh, I bet. Now, I look at your photos on Facebook, and you fit in very well uh, there <laughs> on the island. Um, but hey, the I've last become quite a wrong I... girl. <laughs> <laughs> and beautiful at that. The the last thing that I see when I look at your pictures is someone who lived in Manhattan and worked on, on Wall Street for a number of years. Mm, yes. Well, there's been quite the transformation um, since I did leave uh, Wall Street in 1998. Well, give us an idea of um, – well, let, let's start off. Where Where were you born and raised? I was born. Well, I was born originally in actually New York, New York, in Manhattan, and but I was raised in St. Louis, and then upstate New York, and I went to um, college also in upstate New York, and I promptly went to Manhattan after college, and uh, to Wall Street, and I was there for 15 years. It was quite the exciting experience, especially for a multidimensional angel. You can just imagine. Um, but after about 15 years, my work there was done, and I, in retrospect, it was actually very much humanitarian work, um, and um, onward I went to what I would call, you know, uh, the exploration of the self and the uh, pursuit of great uh, connectivity with the divine. Now, tell me what spurred on that um, area of focus for you? Um, you know, I had an unusual experience, um, Mark, in 1987. I was making like a half a million dollars a year. I was 27 years old. I was rocking the house, the mistress of the universe, so to speak. And I don't know, it was right around the harmonic convergence. And I didn't know anything about the existence of the harmonic convergence. All I can recall is standing in my beautiful apartment and looking out the windows, and I was two blocks from Central Park. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous summer day. And just knowing that all I had was just completely not where I was supposed to be anymore. And I literally just dropped on my knees and began to speak with Source about about leading me to um, where I was supposed to be after that point. And I found out years later, many years later, about 10 years later when I was in Sedona, that was exactly the day of the harmonic convergence. Well, interesting. And now, did this experience catch you off guard? No, you know, I'd always been divinely led since I was a young child. Um, it's kind of like that for us angels, as you know. <laughs> and I keep on calling us as angels because I'm not quite sure what else to call us. Um, 
I'd always been divided led, and I was even divinely led to Wall Street. So it didn't catch me off guard. But what I will say is that it was it was very potent. It was very poignant. And I knew that it was an enormous um, turning point in my life, and it was simply now a matter of time and um, and uh, patience to be led uh, naturally through my path. Wonderful, and and you've had some incredible experiences on your path since that point. Oh yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> the path has been. Um, um, well, it, it's been a very educational path. Yes, in fact, um, I had burnt myself out so beautifully on Wall Street. By 1998, I, 97 actually, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue and uh, fibromyalgia. And I very immediately dove into my former expertise, which was biology. And within about a two-year period, I cured myself of chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, but in that process also found that this ease was simply an, an opportunity for the soul to really awaken and to open and for the heart to really open. Because once you your body is shut down or slowed down, you really need to look within. And if you do, that's exactly what happens. And so talk to me. I'm really interested in, in this. Um, initial aspect of your healing story. What what did you turn to? How did the the process uh, work for you? I was really very divinely led. I remembered uh, when my aunt Marie was diagnosed with MS when she was 32, and this was in Europe, and she went to the best physicians um, back in the late 40s, um, early 50s, and they actually then said to her, um, you know, obviously we don't have a cure for this. However, if you go to this spa in Switzerland and stay there for six months and completely change your diet and work with your emotions and work with your spirit, there is a very high probability that you can go into remission and mitigate any other episodes. Well, that was, you know, she did it, and uh, she basically went into remission from a very severe case of MS, um, and she only had two more episodes for the rest of her life, and she died at 70. So I knew that immediately I had to take the same kind of route my Aunt Marie did, and that's exactly what I did is I completely went into a cleansing diet, and I went into a cleansing, I would say, episode in my life. I really started to work with my emotions. I started to work with my soul. I started to really step out of the Wall Street experience and really come back to my true divine self. And it was an incredible experience because I was led over and over and over again to the most amazing angels that helped me um, in that um, in that uh, rediscovery of self and divine connection. And it was really a, a, just a, a beautiful, beautiful journey. And it also led me to the West, which was an amazing place to live. Beautiful. Now, uh, I'm. I want to hear some specifics um, because <laughs> you know what you've mentioned so far is, um, you know, some some common um, issues um, in our mm-hmm. society still to this day, of course. 
And so, you know, I want you to talk to us a little bit about, you know, what what really, you know, the, the, the practicality of of what you did and what you learned at that time because then we'll we'll jump into how that really assisted you on on the yes. next part of your yes. journey. Yes, exactly, exactly. I began um immediately I was greatly gifted by with a Russian physician by the name of Leonid Gordon out of Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I was living at the time, who was just one of the most amazing uh, multidimensional angels I've ever met in my life. And the first thing he began to do, of course, is to change my diet. And I was, again, blessed to be um, in a center called the Marina Progressive Health Center, which I found with my own intuition. And right there they had psychotherapists, massage therapists, craniosacral therapists, uh, um, uh, healers of a, an, uh, of a uh, of, of wide variety, but also you know straight up hardcore Western conventional physicians, which of course uh, Dr. Gordon was. So I was extremely blessed to simply be able to go to one place that was founded by a man who had chronic heart disease. 20 years prior to me going there, and knew that the only way to truly heal from any disease was holistically working with the with the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional. And so, of course, I did my dietary work, which at the time was moving to about 50% raw foods and, and moving exclusively into organic foods, completely eliminating all processed foods and, quote-unquote, all toxic elements in my life, meaning going through my entire house and throwing out everything from, you know, the Crest toothpaste to the um, Drado under the sink and replacing everything with green products. And again, this was back in 1997 before a lot of people were doing this. And in addition to that, on the physical side, finding the right kind of exercise. You know, every single person is different. Every human is different. Every angel is different. Our DNA is different. And what is, you know, an incredible exercise for you, or really it may not be for me. And so I worked with yoga and I worked with dance and I worked with other modes of physical expression that for my soul at that time were really appropriate. And that just took some, you know, intuitive going within and really focusing and also working with all these incredible professionals. And then, of course, I worked on, on uh, emotional and psychological blockages and issues. Uh, I was wonderful at being an amazing warrioress and never crying for about 25 years. <laughs> so I, I made up for that in about, uh, in about a year uh, period of time and worked with a phenomenal, phenomenal psychotherapist and hypnotherapist at the Marino, uh, Progressive, at Marino Center for Progressive Healthcare. And then I also was blessed over and over in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with meeting one healer after another from a, on a spiritual level and being led to Sedona out of nowhere and running into about 10 other amazing spiritual healers. And it, it, it was just the entire experience was truly divinely led and a great, great gift. And I, I think that if you just open to source and really, really love yourself, that you will be naturally led to come back completely to yourself and to your wholeness and to your well-being. Yeah, thank you. That was beautiful, Annie. Now, I have a question. Uh, how did you um, stumble onto women's studies and start to pursue in that direction? Because I know that your book focuses a lot on women's studies. So yes. I just wanted to try to get into that. 
You know, it's it's, it's a funny thing. Um, uh, my mom was a single mother. My parents uh, separated when I was two, and um, she fought, was far from being a feminist, but she was a great independent Aquarian. And she had left Europe after World War II, and she had come to America to start anew, and she did. And she was really quite the amazing inspiration. And um, it was just something I grew up with, and I actually had no idea that I was I was uh, committed to women's um, empowerment or even living a life of women's studies. And then kind of again, once again, divinely led, um, as I was looking at colleges, um, I ended up looking at women's colleges because, quite frankly, by the time I was 16, there were far too many men in my life, and I knew I would never make it through college with anything but an MRS unless I went to a women's college. And I ended up going to um, Wells College in upstate New York uh, on scholarship, which was 40 minutes away from where the entire suffragette movement had started with Susan B. Anthony. And again, I had no idea. And Wells College was originally founded by Henry Wells, who founded Wells Fargo and American Express, who had gone to Cornell and was appalled by the fact that in the late 1880s there were barely any women's colleges in the United States. Um, you know, again, sometimes we are led in our journey, and we see not—we see not until much later exactly how destined our journey is and how destined our mission is. And as I moved forward in in Wall Street, I saw very clearly that um, uh, there was a problem uh, with the way women were treated, and not just women, minorities as well. And being the humanitarian that I am. Um, it became intolerable after a while, and I decided in 1995, for example, to act with eight other women um, on behalf of more than 3,000 women at Merrill Lynch and to start a gender discrimination and sexual harassment class action, which has since become landmark. It started, um, in essence, sensitivity training all over the world. Did I ever envision in a million years, that would be something that I would do. No, but it just seems—it seems to be a theme in my life, and maybe that's one of my hats. You know, is in women's empowerment and kind of balancing the um, energies on our planet and bringing the feminine energies forward more strongly, because we need them so desperately now. And as as I moved forward in my journey, uh, most certainly uh, in uh, 19, pardon me, 2005, after being 80% raw organic for eight years now and living a really uh, fantastically uh, healthy and whole and uh, blissful life in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and being diagnosed with extremely extensive and invasive breast cancer. Well, you know, I guess that was just the next part of the mission um, because here I am almost six years later um, do, having done the same, the same intensive work but even deeper. Um, and how can I explain that better than to say uh, going even deeper so that um, that... Uh, this is really difficult to explain. It's literally, it appears to me now that it's been an opportunity for me not only to completely heal myself, but also to shift the paradigm of healing and wholeness 
on our planet now because breast cancer is an epidemic in the world today. And we, of course, know the reason for that is because, you know, whatever, over the past 60 or 70 years, we've managed to soil the nest so profoundly that breast cancer uh, as well as prostate cancer have just gone off the map, and all endocrine cancers have gone off the map because endocrine tissue is the most sensitive to chemicals, to radiation, and a lot of the other toxins that we've encountered externally in our world, uh, particularly over the past 20 to 30 years. And um, so this part of the women's studies journey is now um, stepping up to the breast cancer paradigm and shifting that as well. When I was diagnosed, I was told if I didn't do chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery, for example, um, I would be dead within a year's period of time. And needless to say, I found the recommendations to be so barbaric that I just, in essence, in essence said to my oncologist, you know, I, think I'll t- I think I'll take my chances with God Goddess because this is just, I can't believe you can even recommend this stuff. This is, I'd, I'd rather, this is like a trip to Auschwitz. Um, and with all of your brilliance and your technology and, uh, and all of the amazing science that I know you know, I can't possibly believe that this is the best you can do. And I walked away and I, again, pursued very aggressively deep physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. What, of course, I didn't know at the time was it wasn't so much me this time, that it was really the external world had become so ridiculously toxic and I was living in a radiation zone. Of course, I had no idea of that as well. Um, and uh, that probably is what really provoked it for me because I had been 80% raw, living a fantastically authentic life, um, living my mission, really, really happy with where I was in life. It was it was quite shocking to be diagnosed in, in August of 2005 with 14 spots and 11 centimeter cloud. I really, it was just like, excuse me, <laughs> this is like, what's just happened here? Yeah, I guess to the that's... Women's Studies program. I get this is just this is just my mission. It unfolds as I go. You know, I can't <laughs> what to say. I mean, it's it's really an amazing story. Having you know shifted your entire life, um, mm-hmm. this must have been the last news that that you had expected to hear. But I guess in thinking about breast cancer. Um, you're pretty, you know, women are pretty well blindsided by this information at whatever point in their life they're getting it. Well, you know, I think cancer itself as a diagnosis, first of all, that just the use of that word has become ridiculous because there's just so much fear infused into it and so much, you know, the illusion of, you know, death and destruction and suffering and all this madness when when in truth, uh, you know, when animals get cancer in nature, you know, the majority of them either survive it, live with it for the rest of their lives, or recover from it. Cancer is not necessarily a killer. I'm not quite sure where that came from. You know, the conventional medical paradigm decided one day that it was a great way to make a lot of money. I, I suppose that must have happened along the way somewhere. And unfortunately, women, you know, have always been the guinea pigs for um, society in the past 3,500 years. And yes, you're absolutely right. It's, it's shocking to every single woman. First of all, it's, it's an external part of her body that is, is the one part of her body that she can see so most forwardly as her feminine expression. 
So when she hears of something like that, of course, the shock of losing a breast or the potential losing a breast or losing a piece of the breast is absolutely overwhelming. But the problem is that truly the external pollution levels are so outrageous and so hormone-disrupting it's become a world epidemic. I mean, for example, I believe in Asia, the percentages are 20, and they're, of course, not telling us the truth in the United States. In Asia, 25% of Asian women are diagnosed with cancer, and you know how incredible their diets are. It's it's insane. And, yes, of course, after all the work I had done, it was it was quite the shock. And I, But I, but in, in retrospect, I see it was simply a part of my mission as I move forward in empowering women even more strongly and also shifting the paradigm from uh, discompassionate or uncompassionate medicine, quote, unquote, to compassionate medicine, to compassionate working with an individual if they become diseased or ill. You know, unfortunately, in the Western world, we've become over the past 30 to 40 years with the the amazing rise of science and uh, technology, sicker. And again, you can point to the, the higher levels of pollution in everything, air, water, food, ground, um, so we really do need a new paradigm. We desperately need a new paradigm. Needless to say, we need a new paradigm on the pollution issue and on the management and on sustainability, and we're working on that very assiduously. But we also need a new paradigm in the medical uh, world because you can, the way conventional medicine, at least in the West, works, it doesn't cure anything. It at best manages it and or makes it worse. For example, in Japan, 70% of all cancers never see radiation surgery or chemotherapy. 70%. Now, what can it possibly be that the Japanese are doing? Food? Mushrooms? Seaweeds? Yeah, of course. Hmm. Emotional work? Spiritual work? Yes, of course. Same with the Chinese. Same with many other societies in the world, the cultures in the world, other than the Western medical paradigm. So your original question, of course, was about women's studies, and I suppose this is exactly why I contracted breast cancer, is now to move forward with women and say, hey, wait a second, ladies. Many of the clients with whom I work, you know, the first thing I have to say to them is slow down when they've gotten a diagnosis. Slow down and here's what you need to do to really understand what's going on here and what your best options are because, unfortunately, most women get terrorized and anybody who gets a diagnosis of cancer gets terrorized by the medical community because they terrorize you. It's just what they do. You must have surgery immediately or you're going to drop dead instantly. I mean, it's crazy stuff. I was told in 2007 um, that I had two lung nets and that it was now simply a matter of time before the disease declared itself. I was just like, my God. And of course, that was four years ago. There, th- these spots are gone, along with, you know, 99.9% of everything else. It's, it's odd. So, yes, as I move forward in this, it is for women to empower even more strongly and to take back their power, particularly over their bodies, Wonder, wonderful voice of support that you are in our culture that is so ruled by 
you know, the conventional medical wisdom. I mean, from the time you left Wall Street, it um, feels as though you haven't done anything conventionally. Now, if you, <laughs> what kind of response did you get, you know, you know, during these experiences from the people around you? Because, um, you know, such as your family, not to mention um, you, your doctors and, and things like that, I, I would imagine you had to be um, very strong and centered within yourself to proceed the way that you have. Yes, I did, I did, because the majority of people, unfortunately, um, are motivated by fear. Now, it's changing, thank goddess, uh, and it's wonderful to see it change, but particularly uh, five years ago, still, many people were motivated by fear. Yes, indeed, family, friends, everybody was absolutely flipped out when I told them what I was going to do, and I actually ended up losing friends uh, because they simply couldn't, they couldn't bear, like, the uh, suspense of, like, whether I was going to make it or not. <laughs> I just, I just made a, a choice, and like any other time in my life when I've made a choice, I simply don't take no for an answer. And yes, I had to be incredibly centered, as we all do when we make choices in our lives that are monumental in our evolutionary growth, and not just for ourselves, but for the entire energetic paradigm in which we exist. So, of course, I had to be enormously centered. Yes, it was difficult because many people couldn't be there with me. Um, many people I loved couldn't be there with me. But I was also, again, gifted by some phenomenal healers. And I was gifted by um, two men in my life who were just amazing in a lot of ways in, in the type of support that they were able to give me in this process. But, again, it, it was very much, of, of course, me me being able to say, okay, it doesn't really matter what the world says to me. This is a choice that I've made for myself. I believe that every single cancer cell can revert to normal simply by thinking about that. And I know yeah. it's been proven scientifically. I know it's been proven scientifically. So, um and tr if you can imagine trying to tell people that, <laughs> oh, my God, forget about dietary changes and, you know, um, working through emotional blockages and working more deeply with, uh, with your connection to source. But telling people that, you know, I'm, I'm meditating on my DNA reverting to normal in these cells right now, <laughs> it's just come over very well. It's a little bit unconventional, to say the least. But, you know... <laughs> I believe at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, if we are inauthentic, if we are not ourselves, if we are not true to ourselves, where are we? Who are we? What are we? We are not living our divinity. We are not living our bliss. We're not living our joy. We're not living our truth. And so why are we? And there was nothing else for me to do but to do that. And obviously that's taken me through a bit of a circuitous road because unfortunately the really hard part of this is that the Western medical community was such a disaster in my situation. A, my insurance was canceled upon diagnosis. You may, uh, if you do research, realize that many women's health insurance is canceled they, uh, upon diagnosis of breast cancer. They actually run algorithms, mathematical algorithms, to ensure that that's the case. Uh, two, no oncologist, surgeon would even like think about working with me, like really trying to work with me. Um, three, I just found out two months ago 
that I was herp positive, and that the chemotherapy protocol that was prescribed for me was completely inaccurate, and that had I been managed effectively, I could have taken a very light chemotherapeutic agent. I call it chemotherapeutic because it's all prescription medication is chemotherapeutic. Um, In addition to what I was doing, I have to have it done a long time ago. Because I, I have no objection to working with the brilliance of the traditional medical community, but I have an objection to working with the dysfunction of it, and that's what I encountered very profoundly. That was the most difficult part of it, to have your oncologist actually not really on your side and kind of pissed off when you'd come in and your values were, you know, you didn't, your markers were way down, tumor shrinking, 14, 12 of 12 to uh, uh, 14 spots are gone. 11 centimeter cloud is gone. Spots under the arm are gone. Lung spots go. And, you know, they're not there cheering you on. They're just kind of like, hmm, well. It must have been the uh, light chemotherapy that you did do. I did make one error in doing IPT, insulin potentiation treatment, and that was, again, the wrong protocol altogether for the type of cancer I was diagnosed for, with. And two, um, all it did was actually grow the tumors. But, of course, their response to me was, it, it must, this is a delayed reaction to the light chemotherapy that you had done three years ago, which, of course, is a joke. <laughs> but, you know, they know not what they do. They know not what they do. They are in their box. They are in their box. Well, it's quite obvious to us that surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation um, doesn't doesn't work, and uh, the truth is within us. Um, and so you wrote this book, Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies. Um, and yeah. so I, I want to I want to know what was your inspiration, and what is it all about? It's about it's about the journey of a soul, actually. That's truly what it's about. Uh, I was it, it just came from my journal, and what happened is I was keeping a journal throughout my throughout my evolutionary journey through cancer over a four year period specifically, and I just had a few friends read some excerpts, and they just said, "You have got to write a book. You have this is unbelievable. You've got you just have to do this." And you know, and my beau at the time also said, "You know, you're such a brilliant writer." Blah blah blah. You must write a book. You need to. You need to get this information out to people. You need to get it out to women. You, and you need to get it out to everyone, because because no one really understands what's truly going on. And you speak from such a personal, potent voice. And here you are. You know, three years into this, um, at the time when I began writing the book, you need to do this. And I really gave it some thought. And then I just really meditated and waited to see when I would be divinely led to do that if it was meant to be. And boy, it just, it was almost like a channeling, really. Once I started taking all the excerpts and putting them together, it just was like, really easily done. So Now tell us, the the book has been out um, for a little while now. What um, yes. What response are you getting? It must be really amazing to... Um, be touching people's lives um, you yes, know, through the book along is. with everything else. 
Yes, it is. It is. The response is truly amazing. I mean, every single person who reads the book, I can't, I mean, I even got a thank you note from Bill Clinton. I mean, it's really because he was, you know, I sent promotional copies all over the place. Um, everyone who reads the book, I think it's carried on this journey of a soul evolving through, uh, it, like Alice in Wonderland falling in the rabbit hole, and they're just absolutely amazed when she emerges on the other side because when you see the true dysfunction of the conventional medical system and you see um, you see how hard human hearts come together to work to save a life and to heal a life and to and to love a life in contradistinction to <laughs> the conventional medical community i mean it's an amazing and amazing journey it's like it's like a, the the journey of a heroine um, and so everyone gets inspired by that because it speaks to everyone's ability to reclaim their power and to step forward and truly journey as a hero or heroine in their own life in whatever way. It doesn't have to be through cancer. It doesn't have to be through any disease. It can be simply through saving dogs in the street. It can be through, you know, working for, um, you know, a political campaign. It, it doesn't really matter. It's a deeply inspirational book in terms of how does a soul best express itself in the world given the world's complexity. And, yes, the, the response has been really fantastic. I've got some incredible endorsements, and they continue to come in. And um, uh, we're right in the process now of actually working on um, a three book deal with uh, a number of publishers. So yes, it's been a wonderful and divine journey and it's been particularly wonderful for women who have been diagnosed with cancer, uh, breast cancer or other cancers uh, because the conventional Western medical model is particularly brutal with women. I can tell you right now that if the incidence of penile or testicular cancer were the same as it is for breast cancer, there's absolutely no way that a man, and you both know this, would tolerate the recommendations of amputation, chemotherapy, and radiation in that area. Mm. I mean, it wouldn't happen. It would not happen. Um, so to see women who have gone through that madness read the book or are stepping in potentially that, to that madness, read the book ahead of time and become educated. I'll give you an example, and I, I, I'm sure this client wouldn't mind me mentioning this. I won't mention her name. She was recently diagnosed with what's called, um, it's in situ. So it hasn't, um, it's, it's abnormal cells that have not broken out and they haven't, it hasn't invaded tissue yet. It's still in the duct or in the lobule. There's a lot of debate whether or not they're even cancer. But immediately upon diagnosis for calcification spots, no tumors, no 11-centimeter cloud, well, you know, you really need to think about You might potentially have uh, the genes, the BRCA genes, and this could be carried down through your daughters. So a prophylactic mastectomy might be, I mean, please. What insanity is that? I, again, they know mm. not what they do, but please. So it's beautiful to work with a woman like that and lead her step by step so that she doesn't go through that. 
so that she does change her diet. She does do her emotional work. She does do her spiritual work. And she turns to a physician in San Francisco who says, you know, I think you're right. I don't think you need to have surgery. I don't think you need to have a lumpectomy. For example, that was the case of Carol, uh, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow did not have extensive cancer, but she did a lumpectomy and she did radiation. Was it necessary? We don't know. Brandon Bays, who um, worked with Tony Robbins for many years, suddenly had like a grapefruit-sized tumor appear in her uterus, and within six weeks it was gone with just focusing in on her internal self, her diet, and her spiritual self. So, yes, it's amazingly rewarding for me, and it's amazingly inspirational for women, and it is transformational, this big change where women can say, wait a second, no, 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 stop. I want to know A, B, C, D, E, F, G before you start slicing and dicing and jacking me up with wonderful poisons. And men, too. Just asking the right questions, getting more opinions, getting more educated opinions instead of somebody who looks at you as a, I don't know, they look at you as a patient, but I think they also look at you as a, as a, as a, as a price tag of some sort for, for their own incomes. Each individual cancer patient treated by the conventional Western model will be worth $1.2 million to it. Wow. That's sad. That's sad. When you think about something like working with diet, supplements, heavy anti-cancer foods and superfoods, great psychologists slash hypnotherapists, great exercises, and great spiritual healing, what's that going to cost you? Maybe 50K over a two-year period? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you have you have this modality called intuitive sovereignty. Uh, can you talk a little bit oh, about yes. what that is? Well, that I came to definitively through the breast cancer um, diagnosis because <laughs> because when you go up against a cancer diagnosis, it is literally like falling down the rabbit hole because you step into the mayhem of their world and it is mad. And you must, must come to the truth within yourself. And you must find that clarity amongst all the madness that's going on around you. And that's intuitive sovereignty. And there are specific exercises that I I found and I developed further over time. And you just come to a place over time of such... You come to your original divinity, your your original knowing. You know this already. You Everyone already knows this. They just get so removed because they've been brainwashed or whatever you want to call it by a culture that... A culture committed to death, not to life. When you step out of that box and you step into a different dimension, to a a commitment to life, to compassionate life, to a life of love, to a life of bliss, then your intuition will lead you not only away from the inappropriate treatments or the excessive treatments 
or the inappropriate or wrong physicians or other medical professionals, but to the right healers, to the right um, foods, literally, um, to everything, because that's your, divi- that's your divine connection. That's your divinity. And we all have it. We just It's to what degree do we access it, and to what degree do we trust it, and do we really utilize it. That's why I call it intuitive sovereignty, because when you truly do it, and you truly are there, there's nothing you can't know. That is not to your benefit. Beautiful. And it's just I'm I'm so touched by this um message of true empowerment. Um yeah. that that is, you know, such a foundational piece of your experience and your story and then is is put out there. You're putting it out there in such a beautiful way to assist others at a time when everything else that's going on around them is suggesting that empowerment, you know, from within is not particularly the way to go. Precisely. You know, I was thinking the other day, too, even about the whole positivist movement, you know, this Abraham Hicks stuff, this whole frequency thing. Yes, to a degree, absolutely it's true. There's no question if you study science, um, it's a 50-50 deal. Because at the end of the day, sources of monumental mathematical equation with so many variables we can't even begin to access that access it now because we're just not in that dimension yet so to think for one minute that you could be 100% spot on in terms of vibrational frequency attraction is kind of narcissistic quite frankly but I was thinking about that the other day and I thought this is way beyond this this is taking it to true discernment and not just another form of brainwashing and true discernment is your great one of your greatest divine gifts because in true discernment you see with such clarity that all is love at the end of the day and that all is just the most wonderful, wonderful journey and the most wonderful creative evolutionary path. It's all fantastically good no matter what it is. And that's very different than putting on pink glasses and saying, okay, everything's absolutely positive. Because that's not always true. You must be. You must be balanced. You, nothing's negative, nothing's positive. That's that's our dualistic world. What is, is. And you must accept it. But you must also have the discernment to choose that which is most enhancing and most blessing for you and all that is. And that is true divinity and you calling it empowerment. And yes, it is. What greater power is there than the divine, than source? And what greater power is there than being completely connected to source, moment to moment, breath to breath? Beautifully stated. You know, the the title of tonight's broadcast, uh, Love, Compassion, and Bliss, in, in my further research of you, those words just show up everywhere around you. And I was, I was you know, so touched because I was like, okay, definitely right up our alley, um, you know, with, with where Annie's coming from. Now, talk to me a little bit. Um, I know that you do consulting and seminars and workshops and retreats and things like this. What, um, what are you focused on now, and are you are you traveling? Are you doing things online, um, one-on-one? I, I, what, what's it happening? 
it's a it's a combination of all of the above love. I'm really uh, I've come to a space where I am divinely led, moment to moment, breath to breath, and I simply open myself to the best for all, um, so that the, uh, the 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 monumental uh, love equation works perfectly. So I am working individually. I am traveling. Um, oh, we were doing retreats here in Porta del Sol until recently because it's becoming a little bit hot, and we'll start again in November. And I'm thinking about traveling this um, this summer as well to Europe and a few other places because I've been invited by potential clients to actually kind of create a retreat for them in their homes. Oh, wonderful. Now, uh, you know, with the book and everything else you're doing, is it... Um, difficult for people to get in direct contact with you, or are you still able to to manage that? Um, yes, it's not always easy, but, but we usually do respond within a forty-eight hour period, and it's um, simply sending an email to um, either info at pelicans, coconuts, and butterflies dot com, which is the name of the book or to Annie at Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies.com. Wonderful. Now, are you still doing um, work within the um, the wellness consultancy, Body, Mind, List? Is that still an yes. active part of your equation? Yes. Absolutely. It is a very active part of my equation um, because what's of course happening with the baby boomers and because of the levels of toxicity again in the world is more and more people, no matter how well they've been eating, have uh, are developing either slight or major degenerative issues. And yes, Body by Bliss is still very, very active and it, and Body by Bliss started Six years ago, as you know, a completely balanced program. It wasn't just a, a physical cleansing program. It was a physical, emotional, and spiritual cleansing program, and it continues to be that. And extremely, extremely successful. I mean, people's lives are so incredibly transformed. It's one of my one of my greatest rewards is as as to which is to work through that program. And I'm thinking seriously about training other professionals as well. Now, it's kind of difficult to find people that are kind of as uh, as good as <laughs> good at as as I am, but that's okay. Calling all angels that are right now because I need you. Um, yes, of course, I still do body by bliss, and I do intuitive sovereignty, and I also do just individual consultations with people on whatever it is that they need to work on. So it's almost like it's evolving into this kind of I don't know, just overall life consultant slash life coach, but it's way beyond that. It's um it's uh it's it's like an evolutionary soul coach. Soul evolutionary coach, I suppose you could call it. Now give us an idea, Annie, when you first uh, make contact or when people first make contact with you, what um where, where do you start off looking at um at their lives and and, you know, what do you start off addressing? Because I would imagine that that many of us, depending on, uh, you know, where we're at, we've got um, areas in many different facets of our lives that, that need to be addressed. 
Yes, exactly. Well, the what I generally do is I speak with um, whoever is interested in working with me individually first for usually about a half hour, and I intuitively work through that conversation, and I'm given messages and given indications of what areas need to be addressed first. Then there's a profiling um, uh, uh, opportunity that the client has to really divulge a lot of information to me. And again, I intuitively scan through the profiling information to find out the best ways to approach the healing and or wholeness process with that client. And then it becomes truly, as you well know, um, an evolutionary experience and it becomes a divinely led experience. And each client's experience, although their programs may look similar, actually end up growing quite individually and quite spectacularly and creatively on their own. Because, of course, that's where they're going. And so it's a mutual creation process, and it's a really beautiful thing. Nice. Now, I would imagine a number of people that are listening to this broadcast um, are listening because of the inspiration that you are. And and very, um, you know, possibly don't have any immediate um, health concerns, you know, priority mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily like health. It's not necessarily health. It's not necessarily health. It can be as simple as, you know, you know where we are, you know, in this dimension right now. We are moving so fast and we're all growing and we're all, you know, opening so quickly. Many people just need help with centering. Many people just need help with holding space for their own evolutionary journey. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be a health concern for sure. So give me an idea. Perfect. I, I love that. I love that answer. And everything, whether it's health or or anything else, is on all different levels anyway. But but give us some some practical. Um, advice or perspective from you on, um, you know, for each of us that are, you know, consciously and in our awareness addressing our lives? You know exactly how to do this. You know it is your birthright. It is who you are. You have never fallen from source. You are one with source. We are all one. Simply open to that truth and allow it to present itself to you through whatever ways, musical lyrics you wake up with in the morning, uh, specific signs that you drive by, poetry that comes from your heart and your soul, or simply, you know, a can of tuna fish that keeps falling out of the... um, (laughs) The pantry closet, rolling under the, rolling under, rolling under a, a cover, trying to tell you never to eat it again. Oh, you know it; it's all there, and so you just need to come to that really sweet, loving, quiet spot within yourself, and it's all there. But you, it, but the most important thing I find right now, because we are moving so quickly, is continually grounding and really working on your meditation, really working on your exercise. And I don't mean beating yourself up in any way, shape, or form. I'm talking about being in nature, stretching, walking, swimming, really just body movement with Gaia. 
that also helps facilitate your voice and your truth and your divine connection. But you already know it. Don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Listen to yourself. That's you and Source working together. That's your divinity. It's it's never gone. And also know you are infinitely loved. You are infinite love. And nothing can ever hurt you. It's only your perception. And nothing is ever wrong. It's only your perception. And when you start to walk at that, like, blossoming love and that incredible, bold, radiant truth, then again, you just open more and more and more, and it's it's so much easier to really speak, walk, feel, and connect with your truth moment to moment, breath to breath, as you move forward, no matter how quick you're moving or no matter how slow you're moving. And know that no matter how quick or slow you're moving, that's perfect too. And just know that all is well. And that's the most important thing that I can say. And never doubt yourself. That whole doubting thing is, whew, it's fear-based. It's not, it's not love. It's not self-love. Stay in love and all will be revealed. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're in 2011 and we're approaching 2012 and beyond. So what is your perspective on where we are and where we're going as a collective consciousness on this planet? Well, it it seems very, very clear to me that we are moving um, into our true divinity, into our true multidimensionality. I can say very, very specifically for myself in the past several years, I've become absurdly telepathic and psychic, etc. I had infinitum, and I know we all have. Um, and and we see the sustainability movement, the green movement. We see what's happening with the old structures that um, are no longer of service uh, to us and to life on this planet or in this dimension. We are moving very quickly, and we are moving to a state of complete unconditional love. Um, remember what Yeshua said to us, many will come after me and do much more than I did. Mm-hmm. And that's us. Beautiful. Thank you. It makes me happy because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I love that. Um, now, on an individual level, you know, the people that are still asleep, quote unquote, and, you know, are still in the illusion and the Maya, uh, how do you see the awakening movement really taking off? And if we're, when we do really get into that place of unconditional love, how is the everyday person um, going to make such a vast uh, transition for that? Well, I, what, I'm, what I'm seeing and what, I, what I'm feeling very strongly is that as more and more of our hearts are opening and we're really sprouting into that space of unconditional love where we can actually look at anyone who has you know, contributed to the paradigm of death over the past, I don't know, 13,000 years or whatever it's been. And we can really see them as our brother, as our sister, as ourselves, and love them truly for the wonderful work they've done to help us evolve. The more we are able to do that, the more we are able to cease judgment, the more we're able to stay in oneness, 
to remove ourselves from duality. It's really as simple as that. That's the first step. The more the love grows. And for every single heart that opens truly to unconditional love 24-7, that, of course, is going to affect the entire morphogenic field of our dimension. And I don't know the exact numbers of what we need, but I suspect we only need 10% of the population worldwide before we really are over the hump. Mm-hmm. And so you mm. feel that um, there there is a, uh, a critical mass effect or a hundredth monkey effect that yes. uh, is taking place here. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think we're there. I mean, I've watched just, I've just watched people around me, let's say in the past two or three years, um, and, and clients as well as Facebook, and whoa, look at, the, look at what's happened there. I mean, think about it. Three years ago, two years ago on Facebook, people were still posting things about their toenails. Now, everybody's waking up to everything, and they're all perfect in their own journey and what they're looking at. And my personal perspective on, on looking and observing at what we're going through is really do the 360. Because when you do the 360, when you look at everything from the darkest dark, quote, unquote, in our duality, to the lightest light, that's when you're able to come to unconditional love. You can't possibly come to unconditional love until you accept it all. And you can't accept it all until you look at it all or observe it all and love it all. So what would you say... So my suggestion is, is to start spinning. <laughs> <laughs> So I was going to ask, what would you say is the first step to unconditional love? But I see that you you now have just answered that question. (laughs) (laughs) Start spinning. And another beautiful exercise is this. I'm sure you guys have heard of Tonglen, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The Buddhist exercise where you take the, the, the most difficult person that you know uh, to accept for who they are. I don't know. When I first did it, it was uh, George Bush Jr., who don't bless him. And you simply focus on loving them and actually taking their pain and their suffering into your heart, transmuting it to love, and then bringing that love back to their heart, taking more of their pain and their suffering and bringing it back into your heart, transforming that to love and bringing it back to them. And I'll tell you what, after a while, everyone is the perfect little child running in the field after the butterflies. Hmm. I like that exercise. It's a fabulous exercise. Whenever you're having any difficulty with anyone, that's one of my favorite exercises always. Because because ultimately you literally connect with their heart. You do because it's an energetic field. You morphogenically go right there and you feel that little child that was hurt. It's that, that little child that really does want to just run in the fields and chase the butterflies. And it's exactly like you. And wants to play in the sandbox and build wonderful things too. Mm. And so the adult it, it, who has suffered as you have suffered as well. It, it seems like... And in that is born compassion. 
and child being childlike and really being in the moment yeah. and following our joy. Exactly. And that's what happens is is that when you are in the heart, the child comes and the play comes. And then nothing there isn't wrong or right and there isn't good or bad. There just is. There's just the moment. And even suffering just goes away. Think about when you were a child and you were running and you scraped your knee or you fell off your first bike, scraped your knee. How long did it take you to stop crying or get up and get back on that bike or go running with your friends again? About like three and a half seconds, right? Maybe maybe right. two minutes. Exactly. And you most certainly didn't have to go to a psychotherapist and sit down spend the next three years trying to get over the you know, the your the your um the your scab on your knee. It's really so much easier than we make it out to be. It's really just loving the self and loving all that is no matter what you see. You know, I think so many times the uh, of the image on Life magazine of that Vietnamese monk who um in protest to the Vietnamese war burned himself alive. He wasn't in pain. He wasn't in suffering. He was in bliss. And he decided to make a statement to all that he wasn't, he in burning himself was not in pain and suffering, but that he needed to make the statement to stop the pain and suffering external to him. And I thought that was the most amazing thing in the world. I'm not saying that you go out and burn yourself, but think about that. Think about the level of compassion that that monk had. And that's just extending love to every single person there because when particularly in war, no one wins ever. Even the conqueror doesn't win. I don't get that whole paradigm. But it's okay because it's going away. It's over. It no longer serves. But to stay in love and to remain as, as playful as possible is for sure the beginning. There's no question. And to love the most difficult of moments, the most difficult of experiences, the most difficult of people, that's where true compassion is born and true love, true unconditional love is born. And, and you know, it's as simple as practice makes perfect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, what a wonderful, shining <laughs> example you are. <laughs> Both Ily and I are just a little bit speechless. I love it. On coast to coast okay. here, we're just like, oh, this woman is amazing. And and I just, I, I so love your perspective. And and how you share it in your energy. I mean, this has been fun for me um, tonight in particular. I, I love doing these broadcasts. But having followed you at a distance, um, and 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 tapped into your energy from you know the very 21st century sort of um, a way that we can tap into people by status updates and this and that and reading some <laughs> reviews of the book and, and even the title of the book and, and everything. It, it's just such a treat to be here right now in this moment. And, and I, I'm going to share that um, we, we start the, all, all of our broadcasts 10 or 15 minutes early with whoever our guest is and we 
we talk about our intention um, for the moment, for, for the broadcast. And tonight, my intention was to, to create an opportunity to share uh, inspiration and the inspiration of who you are and what your life has been about. And, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I've, I've had to stand up and be walking for the last 20 minutes because I'm so inspired and energized and and just my soul is so fed I can't even sit down and and participate in the broadcast. I'm like I'm all over the place. <laughs> Perfect. Now send that love out. Just send it out. Send it out to the entire universe. Oh yes. See how beautiful that is? Look at how it grows. Oh and see that's all we have to do. If we all just spent one hour a day just moving this way with ourselves and really just allowing ourselves to be the child, to love whatever is, to just simply enjoy, inhale deeply, exhale deeply the love that we are and the love that all is, there we are. It's it's just mm. that's it. You know, your your day is made, your community is made, your your town is made, your Country is made, your world is made anew. But we all have to. This is the time. We all have. This is this is our time. We need to do it. We can't play at it. We can't make believe. We can't do the whole like. Okay, if I think positive, no. Come to the soul. Come to the heart. Come to love, and really be it. Breathe it. Breathe it with great fire. With great radiance. Because it's the most powerful, beautiful energy that we are. And, and thank sure. you, guys. And You've been so inspirational to me. You started out the program like that. I was like, oh, wow, this is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's give, let's give our listeners um, a recap of, of how to find you and what you have available. You, you have your book is available, and I imagine that it's available at um, Amazon.com, off your site. Just give us what's out there. How can people connect with you? Um, I don't know if there's uh, other products or anything else that you might want to mention now, but this is a perfect opportunity. Thank you, love. Thank you. Yes, Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies can be purchased anywhere in the world. You can simply walk into your local bookstore and have them order it from Ingram's, or you can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. Uh, you also can access it at Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies.com, our website, which is an informational hub for a wide variety of heart-opening moments and um, information. And, of course, I can be reached at Annie at Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies.com, or my assistants can be reached at info at Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies.com. And that's for all the services that I I give to our world. Wonderful. And I, I really invite our listeners to visit the website, um, and take a look at uh, what others have been saying um, about the book and um, about Annie. And if you know um, someone like we all do who's um, not getting the messages that we would want them to get, 
um, from conventional uh, medical industry, um, by all means, what a great gift uh, this book would make for for someone in that in that situation or any situation because it is so yeah, inspiring. Absolutely. Yes, and it is again the the journey of a soul, and that's exactly what we're all doing here. We're journeying in a very creative, fantastic, beautiful way, particularly right now. It's always been fantastic and beautiful, but really right now we get to really play. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank God, thank God. I know, I know. I've been waiting all my life. I know, I know, I know. And I wanted now, to thank both a, of you for your incredible work, too. I appreciate that. Thank I have a you. special favor to ask of you. Yes, love. Uh, my very good friend, Tom Spontelli, who I have not seen in years, is near you, and it would mean the world to me if the next time you saw him, you gave him an extra hug. From I me, will. Tom. I love Tom. Not a problem at all. He's one of the most beautiful souls here in Puerto Del Sol that I know. He has and played he a beautiful... <laughs> right? Exactly. He's played a beautiful, <laughs> pivotal role in uh, my life experience back when we uh, met and um, uh, shared um, a lot of incredible experiences in New York City uh, years and years ago, um, even helped with our um, our business down in Guatemala and uh, um I had the honor of uh, traveling to total solar eclipses with him. I mean, just he's uh, he's this beautiful rock of my experience. And so knowing that uh, you two will share a hug um, with my energy there means the world to me. Oh, yes, love. Not a problem whatsoever. In fact, I probably will be seeing him this week. I, I need to get up to his um, his incredible cafe. Oh, my God, his food. Please forgive me for saying this, Tom. I know you love it, but oh, it's impossible not to eat it. <laughs> That's so perfect. Well, very good. Thank you so much. Um, oh, I'm just um, I'm I'm in that wonderfully blissful uh, space right now. We do have um, looking at the schedule. We have uh, coming up in a show very soon. We have. Uh, Brad Johnson, who channels Adronis. Uh, we just booked uh, Coot Blackson for a upcoming show and um, some other really amazing guests coming up. So anyone that's listening to this, please take the time to uh, follow us on Blog Talk Radio. It may be the easiest way uh, to hear about future guests and, and certainly on Facebook or um, one of our main sites, tourofLove.com or drdream.com, D-R-D-R-E-A-M.com. And it's it's just been um, such a pleasure. And Ilya, what, um, what a treat for us tonight, huh? Absolutely. And first of all, I want to thank you, Annie, for being the angel and the light that you are. Um, you truly are an amazing being, and what really um, a- attracts um, my energy to yours is that you present your information from a very heart-based level, and 
you 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 give the affirmation that it all comes from within, and our world is simply a reflection of who we are at our very core. So thank you so much for being that and living that. Oh, Ilya, thank you. And my pleasure, love, for, and from both of you, because it's been so fantastic for me to be here with both of you. And I invite our listeners to take this energy and just allow its natural um, expression, um, you know, from within each of us. And um, I certainly know that I'll be uh, carrying this energy well beyond this week. And so, Annie, thank you very much. Ilya, thank you. And it is, as always, with tremendous gratitude and love in my heart that um, that I just send this out to everyone and uh, looking forward to our next broadcast. So thank you all and enjoy the rest of your week. God is blessed. Mm, love you all. Good night. Good night. <laughs>